fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. And today we are setting the table with fried pies. Our guests today present two perspectives on this topic, one with a sort of youngin's approach to fried pie making and another from a woman that was born and raised in Tennessee and was able to dress a chicken at the age of six. Our first guest is Dale Mackey, creator of Dale's Fried Pies and co-owner of the Central Collective in Knoxville. Dale shares how she started her small fried pie business and also shares one of her favorite go-to recipes that she and her husband, Sean Pointer, enjoy. And Iva Spoonwild of Wallen, Tennessee, lets us know her recipe for her homemade peach filling and how she makes her pie crust and fried pies. And Iva is the woman who, at the age of six, could dress a chicken. Her grandmother taught her to do that. We also hear Fred Sossman's potluck radio series about a Lord's Acre sale that's held yearly in Hilton's Virginia, where fried pies play a large part of this yearly event. Let's first hear this story from Dale Mackey, starting with a little bit about she and her husband's business, which is home to her commercial kitchen, the Central Collective in Knoxville, Tennessee, and how she started her fried pie business. Brief description of what the Central Collective is. Yeah, our short description is it's a mixed-use creative space. Um, And what that means is that we host private events here. That's kind of how we sustain ourselves. You know, people renting out the space for birthday parties and small weddings and really any kind of celebration you can think of. Um, And that allows us to then do community events as well. So we do things like First Friday art shows and workshops and pop-up dinners and, you know, just events for us to explore things that we're interested in and then offer also, 
you know, kind of new and different and creative things for the community. Um, so it's a kind of a nice little model where, you know, we're able to sustain ourselves because of these private events, which then allow us to open the space up to the community when we can. Tell us what Dale's Fried Pies is all about. Yeah, I mean, at the most basic level, it's me making fried pies. Um, <laughs> so it, it's a little business I started in 2012 and it's stayed pretty consistent since the beginning. I just make sweet and savory fried pies. It's gone through some different stages, I guess. I started out with a little stand, I mean kind of like an adult-sized lemonade stand. I'd wheel all over Knoxville to farmers markets and festivals. Um, Then I eventually got a food truck, food trailer. That kind of same thing, I, you know, brought everywhere with me and did catering events and community events and then eventually moving here to the Central Collective I got my own kitchen and then I started managing the Central Collective space as well so it was just a little too much to be going out and doing all these events all over the place while I you know had to kind of keep track of things here Mm -hmm. so I eventually did sell my food truck and now I primarily do catering shipping of frozen pies and then in not covid times monthly ish pie pop-ups where we kind of turn the central collective into a storefront for just a day where people can come in and you know buy a pie and kind of hang out usually i'll get other some other folks in here to sell coffee refill coffee cart will come we've had folks like severe bloom and flowers come and do bouquets as well so that's fun because for about a year, I wasn't doing any public events. And that was nice for having more time. But I really missed seeing people and giving them the pie and seeing their face while they ate it. So that's my way to stay a little bit connected, you know, even though I'm mostly sticking around here. What set you on fried pies? Yeah. What started me on fried pies? Well... So I did not grow up eating fried pies. Um, I'm from the Midwest, from Chicago, but my mom was a huge pie maker, you know, traditional just pie um, in a pie pan, pie tin. Um, She loved cooking all kinds of things, but um, pies were one of her specialties. So I definitely grew up, you know, cooking a lot and eating a lot of really good food. I also had my godmother growing up took care of me a lot, especially before I went into kindergarten. And she's from Kentucky. And I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't until embarrassingly late, like when I was in college, that I was like talking to my mom. I was like, hey, is Pat from the South? Does she have a Southern accent? But you never realize that when you're a kid. You know, Pat was just Pat, and she talked the way Pat talked. But I unbeknownst to me, grew up eating a lot of Southern food because that's what she would cook. So it's very much something that was in my childhood without me really realizing it was in my childhood. And then, you know, fast forward, I ended up living in the South and I had a day job, but was kind of thinking about what was next and thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I've gotten what I could get out of this job and it's time for me to try something new. I just had this urge to make something of my own, I think. And 
I'd always loved cooking, and I thought it seemed really interesting to own my own business, all of the pieces of it. I love organizing. I love, as we talked about, the kind of thinking about the look and the feel, or the, you know, I guess you would call that the branding of it. But I had no real super official food experience. I had worked in a ice cream shop and a bakery, but not making the food, just serving it, you know, when I was in high school. So I kind of knew that opening up some kind of full service food truck where I'm managing tons of different menu items, that just felt really overwhelming to me. And I had no idea how to even begin thinking about that. And my husband, Sean, and I were in Spain in like 2011. It was our first big trip together abroad anywhere. And we went to this place, it's very famous, and I'm not remembering the name, but all they serve is churros and hot chocolate. And I was saying, like, I love places like this that just choose to do one thing, and they do it really well, and it's simple, but it's amazing, and I just was so attracted to that idea. And I was sort of thinking, like, maybe I could do something like this, you know, instead of this overwhelming giant menu, like maybe I could just pick a thing and and see how that goes. And in thinking about, well, what could that be? I thought of fried pies because you can put anything in a pie and call it a pie. So it's the ability to really focus, but within that one thing, there's a lot of room for creativity and experimentation. And, you know, it's it's a food that is sort of unique to the South. You don't see fried pies where I grew up. You see hand pies, certainly, but it was a way to kind of combine all these different pieces of things that I was interested in or had experienced into this kind of little umbrella. I just started really small making them for my friends, you know, and saying like, what do you think? And getting pretty good feedback. And so I decided, well, let's just start. Let's start as small as I can. You know, I really, I never wanted to go into a ton of debt Mm -hmm. to feel like I have to make this work now. I wanted it because I had a job at the time. So I was like, if I'm going to start this thing, it needs to be fun. And if I'm going to keep going with it, I need to have some data. (laughs) I don't know if this is going to work or not. So I definitely wanted to be able to start it very small and then grow in response to feedback, grow in response to how it was doing and what customers were saying, rather than, you know, dump a ton of money into this and then be under this immense pressure to make it work. I was able, because of that, I started with $400. That's how much it cost to build my pie stand. I also had a lot of generosity from people who helped me build it and get it started and all of that. But because of that, I was really able to grow very organically, you know, and based off of the feedback I was getting. So that was really nice. I moved to Knoxville in 2008. So by the time I opened, you know, I'd been living here for four years. Um, And as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, I think if you've been in a community and made it your home and supported other people's projects, then when you start something, It's not like you're begging people 
strangers to help you you're really calling upon the community that you're a part of to support something that they also want to see in the community you know mm-hmm. it's you know the community that you're a part of supporting this thing that they want to see have happen ideally do you have a crowd pleaser favorite flavor I have a few. I mean, the most popular by far is apple, just because it's it's traditional. You know, it's the classic. And I make my apple pies with dried apples, which is the traditional way to do it, which is not how I started. I started doing it with fresh apples. And I'd go to farmer's markets, and especially older people would ask me, do you ever make them with dried apples? And I like no you know in my mind growing up fresh is always better if you can use fresh that's what you do but I had just enough people ask me about it that I thought I'm gonna try this so I looked up a bunch of different you know old-fashioned dried apple recipes and I made one and I was like you know what for this particular pie I think that the dried apple filling is better it's just more rich and concentrated Also, again, you know, I'm not from the South, so I need to listen to the things people are telling me if they're telling me that I'm doing it wrong. And there's a lot of people who grew up eating apple pies, and they're hard to find now because it's a pretty labor-intensive thing. And so not a lot of people make them. A lot of people, you know, their grandma made them, or there was some lady in the neighborhood who was known for making the fried pies. And... You know, those people are getting older, um, and there's fewer people doing it. And so I thought, well, okay, if I'm this young person who's taking on the mantle of fried pies, you know, then I've got to give the people what they want. (laughs) That's right. I love that somebody just dropped in looking for fried pies. It it actually, it happens a, a good amount. Well, it gives us a reason to reiterate something super important that this is not a storefront right if you've got an order you need a couple of days in advance Mm -hmm. how does that work yeah so you know I don't do a ton of that it's really just when people reach out to me Mm -hmm. and because my schedule is so variable it can really depend if I'm slammed with other orders or other events Mm -hmm. sometimes I can't accommodate um and but you know it never hurts to give me a call because often I might have things in stock or, you know, be able to, to whip something together. Right. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and we've just heard from Dale Mackey, creator of Dale's Fried Pies and co-owner of the Central Collective in Knoxville, Tennessee. And as always, I've got links to all my guests at TennesseeFarmTable.com. And up next is a story I recorded a few years back with Iva Spoonwild of Wallen, Tennessee. For years, Iva has been demonstrating the hearthside cooking at the Blue Ribbon Country Fair that takes place at the end of September in Townsend, Tennessee, at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center. This year, they will be hosting the Blue Ribbon Country Fair September the 25th from 10 to 5, and they'll have hearthside cooking demonstrations. But this year, Iva is staying at the house. Not sure who's going to be doing the hearthside cooking, but they will have hearthside cooking. And here is how Iva makes her fried pies. 
Yeah. Well, um, I'll dry apples uh, sometimes because mm-hmm. just enough to make a stack cake. Uh, when was my, my stack cake was the grand prize one year at the fair, but I don't do those often. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Well, yeah, when you dry the apples and all that, you know. How many dried apples to make a stack cake? Just guess at it, maybe a quart. Mm-hmm. That'll make a lot, though. Mm-hmm. I doubt it would take that many. Uh, I'm going to do fried pies this year for the fair. They're not going to be apple. They're going to be peach. Mm -hmm. And I uh, can this little concoction of peaches. Uh, You don't peel the peaches, and you have just your peaches, sugar, and vinegar. It takes forever to do it. It takes hours to boil them, and it boils down real thick. And that's what I'm going to make my my fried pies with. Here's my dried peaches recipe. Two gallons of peaches. Don't peel cup of apple cider vinegar and seven cups of sugar and you cook that till it's um, until the juice is gone and fruit turns brown and you just put it in hot sterilized jars and you seal it tell me about your crust for your fried pies my crust is a half cup of sour milk and that's buttermilk and add a tablespoon of lemon juice to the milk and stir one and a half tablespoons see it doesn't take a lot of shortening for that and a half teaspoon of soda, fourth of a teaspoon of salt, one and a half cup of all-purpose flour. Divide it into about saucer size into pieces, and I do ten, try to do ten. And then add your peaches, two tablespoons on one side of the circle. And you wet the edges and fold it, pinch the edges together with a fork, and then fry it until they're golden brown. <laughs> In a cast iron skillet? No, I used to do it in my electric skillet. <laughs> what kind of shortening do you use again? I just use Crisco, mm-hmm. butter flavor. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. butter flavor. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and this is Amy Campbell, your hostess. I just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. You know, I like to ask my guests to share recipes, and I asked Dale Mackey to share one of her go-to recipes that she and her husband, Sean, like to eat. Not something fancy, but, you know, something that is a real-life recipe. Well, I always try to drag out a recipe from everybody I interview. Would you be willing to share one with us? Yes, I was thinking about you know, what I should tell you, and I was, like, going to go look at my recipe books, and I was like, no, the point is something I make a lot, and the truth is I don't cook all that much at home because I spend so much time in my kitchen here, and so, you know, a lot of times when I come, sometimes I'll get a wild hair to cook something super elaborate, but I was like, what's the thing? Like, I love making and eating you know, as the most often. And this is not a big summer recipe. This tends to be more fall and winter, and this is barely a recipe. But what I'll do, I call it deconstructed pizza. It's best eaten if you're watching like a fun movie on the couch, not fancy, is I will just take a jar of pasta sauce, marinara sauce, dump it into like a... a pan that can go in the oven and then get goat cheese like a really big log of goat cheese and slice it into coins and drop that in there and then throw that in the oven at like 400 for maybe 20 minutes until it starts getting bubbly and then drizzle it with 
you know, olive oil, and if you've got some fresh basil, chop that up, throw it on there. If you've got, like, Parmesan, you can grate a little Parmesan, and then you just get a big loaf of crusty bread, and then you just sit in front of the TV, and you dunk the bread into that, and it's, like, my favorite. Get out. Yeah. That sounds so good. It's really good. I love that. Dale's Deconstructed Pizza? Yes. I love it. And it's not in a pie. Yeah. Apparently, I don't like silverware because you don't need silverware for fried pies. And this is also, I just like grabbing things with my hands and eating them. Yeah. Yeah. And now let's hear from our friend Fred Saussman from Johnson City, Tennessee, about a Lord's Acre sale that is held yearly in Hilton's, Virginia. The boiling of apple butter in country churchyards and the canning of the garden-clearing relish called chow-chow in mountain kitchens are sure signs of the coming of fall. In the Scott County, Virginia community of Hilton's, canning and preserving the harvest are timeless rituals, and they are high art. When items like apple butter, chow-chow, and pickled yellow crook-necked squash appear at Hilton's Memorial United Methodist Church during the annual Lord's Acre Sale. The entire community turns out. Well, we start in January planning. Andrea Roberts Lawson is an elementary school guidance counselor and a member of Hilton's Memorial United Methodist Church. We plan for the entire year. We, every month there's somebody comes up with something new that we, there's a committee. There is a committee that works diligently all year long to get everything ready and they start canning in the summer and start crafting in the summer and get everything ready to go for this one day. It's a, it's a year long labor of love. Carla Spivey says there's no event quite like it in Hilton's. The sale in general is the social event of the year, I think. <laughs> it, yeah, these ladies that do all the work ahead of time, I just usually kick in on pies and crafts, but they work so hard. And that work is for a higher cause. In the spring of 2013, the Georgia Historical Society, the Bluffton, Georgia City Council, and the Bluffton Baptist Church dedicated an historical marker in Clay County, recognizing the Lord's Acre Movement. The marker commemorates the time back in 1922 when the Reverend H.M. Melton of Bluffton Baptist Church challenged his congregation to set aside one acre of farmland and donate the proceeds from crops raised there to the church. Seven farmers did so. Not only did their farmland thrive, but it seemed impervious to the boll weevil that infested Clay County in 1923. The publication of a Time magazine article in 1924 and the creation of the Lord's Acre Plan of the Farmers Federation of North Carolina helped spread the Lord's Acre movement. The concept is now worldwide, growing beyond farmland to include projects of donated time and service and sales featuring homemade goods, arts, and crafts. Our proceeds go strictly to pay off this new building. 
this new life center that houses our fellowship hall, Sunday school rooms, our offices. That's her. No, that was hers. That was Minnie's. Yeah, yeah, that's her rum cake. You won't go wrong with that rum cake, I promise you. But don't drive. Don't eat it and drive. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Each church member brings his or her own special talent to the Lord's Acre sale. For Andrea Roberts Lawson, it's making gravy. Oh, it's our <laughs> it's our drug of choice here at Hilt's. <laughs> we love our gravy. We sell, I mean, we've sold out today. So, you know, and we'll start again at 6 o'clock in the morning. But uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it is, it's just a way of life here. It's a lifeline. Andrea doesn't rely on cookbooks or recipe cards when she makes gravy. It's something she's done by feel and by eye all her life. I just start with some uh, sausage grease where we fry our swaggerty sausage in the, on the grill in here and we save the grease and put that in a skillet with some flour and salt and pepper and let that brown and I say burn the paste taste off of it and uh, stirring it constantly till it's thickened. And then once that thickens, just um, put my milk. Some people use cream. Some of them in here like to use cream. I just like to use whole milk. And put that in to fill the skillet. Put my sausage back in, chopped up. Off. We, we use a flat top grill. So we chop up some sausage and put it back in and then just stir it till, and let it boil till it thickens up. I cook mine until the, the fancy word roux is uh, browned and then as brown, pretty dark, and then just put the milk in on it and, and cook it till it's thick. But I, I like mine a little darker. Some people like white gravy, some people like dark gravy. I prefer mine a little darker. Put my first skillet on at 6.20 this morning, and I, uh, myself and another girl cooked till 10.15. I don't know how many skillets we made. We couldn't keep the pot filled up, so we cook it and put it in a crock pot to stay hot. And uh, we used about eight gallons of milk, and each skillet took about um, a, a gallon of milk. So we probably made eight, ten gallons of gravy this morning. Meanwhile, Carla Spivey says guests are lined up out the door for fried pies. We made 90 batches of dough to prepare to fry about 750 pies. That's a lot of pies. While some modern-day cooks take fried pie shortcuts using Bisquick or already-prepared biscuit dough, Lisa Faust and the Hilton's United Methodist Women make their dough from scratch. This is a dough that we found online, actually, but it's been fabulous. Lots of butter in it, so it's fragile. We make the dough early. We make it at least a day early. It's a mixture of Crisco and butter, and so that's why it's so flaky with uh, apple cider vinegar as well. You're looking at 45 pounds of butter. People loved them. Andrea Roberts Lawson says that kind of reaction makes all the work worthwhile. You know, it's one of those double-edged swords. It's dread for all the work that you have to do, but then such a blessing for what comes out of it. Just like seeing people that we, making new friends, just like this fella that we, we just became acquaintances with, and, and seeing people that you don't see often. You know, people that, uh, some of our former pastors come, and you get to see people that you have not got to, to see in a long time. 
The Lord's Acre Sale at Hilton's Memorial United Methodist Church in Scott County, Virginia, takes place on the last weekend of September every year. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Sausman. This is Dale Mackey of Dale's Fried Pies and the Central Collective, located in Happy Holler, Knoxville, Tennessee. And you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song, for updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording. Connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.